Join us today during the Jeep Celebration event. Right now, get 20% below MSRP for an average of 15178 under MSRP on the purchase of a 2023 Jeep Grand Cherokee Overland 4xe or Summit 4xe. Not compatible with lease offers or with any other consumer incentive offers. 15,178 average based on 20% below average MSRP from all 2023 Grand Cherokee Overland 4xE and Summit 4xE models and dealer stock. Residency restrictions apply. Take retail delivery from dealer stock by 4-1. Jeep is a registered trademark. Merkel Media. What does the goddamn line say, Tony? Please do not use gendered language. Then what? I'll be arrested, put in airport jail? Look, you're going completely sideways, man. It's a big club, and you ain't in it. How dare you? Mr. Speaker, the President of the United States. I'm Chris Hansen with Dave on NBC. Jack Mary's Tack Theratrix. Hi, I'm Spartacus. Jackson, Sacramento, he, him. Steven Seagal. Sex offender guy. I'm Keith Morris. This is Mumbai Gudavi. I'm Rick James, bitch. Sorting through the lies. The hijacker's passport was found blocks from the World Trade Center crash site, if you can believe that. We cannot track $2.3 trillion in transactions. And uncovering the centuries-long plan for world domination. Learning about Cuba, having some food. Let's talk about Chinese people. Have you ever been in a, in a Turkish prison? I have sent six of my Libyan missiles to blow up the CS hardware department. Nothing could be more fun than jumping off a cliff with two German bisexuals. Oh, you English are so Thank you, comrade. And now, macro That's what assholes call it. With your host. Buddy, I don't know who you are, but you're about to get chlamydia. Charlie Robinson. Hey, Whitey, where's your hat? You want to drop the blame on Charlie and say it's all Charlie's fault. He was a retard. I get some goddamn diuretic. Welcome to Macroaggressions. I'm your host, Charlie Robinson. If you are watching us on Rockfin, Odyssey, Band.video, Vigilante.tv, or you are listening wherever podcasts are served, thanks a million. We appreciate your support. You can connect with me through the website, theoctopusofglobalcontrol.com. You can follow me on Twitter at Macroaggressions, where I definitely argue with robots. Uh, thank you to our sponsors, which make this show happen. Legal Shield has been in business for 50 years in the United States and Canada. They have an A-plus rating with the Better Business Bureau. It's, it's basically the collective buying power of all of us directed towards high-powered law firms in your area. It gets you access to a lawyer that you probably wouldn't be able to afford, maybe wouldn't want to afford. Um, 30 bucks a month will get you in the door, dollar a day. You need contracts uh, created. Uh, if your work wants you to sign some weird employment contract that says that you agree to do some sort of medical procedure, if they want to inject you with something and you feel a little uncomfortable, send it to your lawyer. If you if you get a speeding ticket, a red light traffic ticket, one of those things, send everything to your attorney. You, that's what they do for a living. You have access to them. If you're somebody that runs a small business and you want the small business plan, they have that. If you're looking for identity shield, there's an option for that. If you're somebody that carries a gun, they have legal paperwork for that as well. There's all kinds of things 
that you can get access to for a very reasonable price that we created a website specific for this show, www.dontgetpushedaround.com. Just go there, take a look, see what you think. If you find something that you might like, pull the trigger on it. Or if you've got a friend or family member that you think might benefit, send it their way. Legal Shield, don't get pushed around.com. Check it out, see what you think. Also, to Chemical Free Body, they've been with us from the beginning. Tim James has been on the show more than anybody else because every time he comes on, he gives us very reasonable, practical, free advice on how to improve our health. And I'll tell you what, It's the one thing you're just going to have to do yourself. Nobody's coming to save you. If you've made the decision to improve your health and you want to find some products that actually work, that aren't garbage, go over to chemicalfreebody.com. Take a look. Pat Militich just launched his Super Soldier product over there. You can take a look and find that. If you see something that you like, use the promo code MACRO on your way out to save yourself a little bit of money. And of course, Tim James is so insane about his uh, products. He's got a double your money back price guarantee. I don't think too many people have taken him up on it. It The products work. I take Green 85 every single morning and I have for the last three years, I can attest. It's a great product and it works. Chemicalfreebody.com, promo code macro. Well, I've been excited for this one for a while. So we have uh, the best-selling author of such books as Joyless Kingdom, The Fucking Lunatic, Tales from the Inverted World, which of course is now a component of Tim Cast. Uh, you may catch him over there on uh, on Tim Pool's show, Tim Cast IRL, when he brings in such crazy guests as Kanye West and Carrie Lake. Without further ado, hey everybody, it's Shane Cashman. What's up? What's up, Shane? How are hey, you? Man. Good to see you. <laughs> I'm good. Thanks for having me on, dude. It's awesome. How do you get Kanye West? Like, what is that process even like? Not that I'm going to try and go get him for this show, but like when you make the decision, like, hey, Tim, uh, let's get Kanye West to come on the show. And he's like, all right, go make that happen. Then you go, fuck, what do I do? How do you, how'd you know? Well, well, I, I didn't bring him onto the show. I got to him after the whole thing happened. So I forget how we got him on Uh, through our booker, knew some people who had mutual friends uh, but what happened was, I'm sure everybody saw, he walked off IRL maybe 10 minutes in. We were all there, and uh, I just kind of surfed on God's hand. I was just like, God just dropped me into the room. I knew where he was going to be uh, after he walked off. And I had been a fan of Kanye forever, since day one, You know, since Through the Wire. So I just went up to him, and I was just like, I mean, it, it was ridiculous that I could just walk up to him in Tim's kitchen, right? He's like eating some cookies and I'm just like, yo man, uh, I believe in you. I would love it if you went up back into the studio and told everybody else why they should believe in you too. Cause you know, and I gave him my whole spiel about that. He was not feeling it. He w- he made up his mind. That was it. But I guess in that, that was maybe five or 10 minutes of a conversation we had where we talked about, uh, music really quickly. Uh, I brought up his opera that he that he wrote and performed. Uh, it's a beautiful that. opera. No. Yeah, it's it's really really cool. I think it's called Mary. It's on YouTube. There's like unofficial clips on YouTube, and there's one specific part. I think it's like 19 minutes in or, or something like that. That is one of my favorite parts of music that he's ever made. So we brought that up, and I'm just like, dude, you got to release this like for real. Yeah. And I think whatever whatever happened, we we started to vibe, and he just told me to fly to LA. So I flew to LA like two days later. And then we kind of spent the weekend together and like, you know, that was six months ago. So people might forget that 
in the in those two days where I wasn't with him when he, after he left him and before I got to him in LA, the whole Alex Jones thing happened. Yeah. So I mean, it was already kind of crazy what happened with IRL, but then you know what happened on Infowars, the whole world felt like it was on fire. You know that happened while I was in the airport on the way to go see him, and I'm watching people in the airport like people are reacting. I'm seeing people on their phones. I'm getting messages from all my friends, family members who don't know I'm going there. They're, and they're like, oh, Kanye's done. This is it. I'm over it. And I'm like, okay, all right. I'm, I'm on my way to go see him right now. Uh, yeah, and we spent a really awesome weekend together uh, going to church and talking politics. <laughs> that is so wild. Yeah, man, when he went, on, when he went on, on Alex's show, I was like, oh, this is either the end of his career or this is some Andy Kaufman-esque performance that is going to go down as the greatest like troll job ever because he was just in rare form and um and and and, you know i mean like he was funny he was he was being over the top obviously i think i think a lot of people don't understand sort of like the nuance of trolling or 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 when you're Mm -hmm. so over the top that it's sort of meant to be like shocking and outrageous but maybe not serious and and some people are like oh yeah man he he's done i was like no this is this has got to be part of something bigger so so you guys go you go to la (laughs) you go to his church i know he's been doing this um he started didn't he start it like at coachella where he was having like these sunday services and he was and i read an article last week that said that he spent like 50 million dollars out of pocket to to keep these services going is this is this i haven't lived in la in, in in a while but i lived there for 20 years uh is this is it is it a permanent thing in la what he's doing yeah so real quick i want to talk about sunday services it's one of my favorite things he's done but it's so funny you say the andy kaufman thing because that's what literally what i told him when i saw him in la i was like dude that's andy you were doing andy kaufman yeah he's a huge huge fan of andy kaufman oh is he really (laughs) he he, he's like obsessed with andy kaufman there was years and years and years ago he was on instagram posting andy kaufman stuff so I knew that, and I grew up loving Andy Kaufman. So it was funny that two of my favorite like artists were now like Andy was possessing Kanye, and he confirmed it. I mean, he was like that was part of the thing. I was Andy Kaufman, and like it was he said it was Bruce Lee and Andy Kaufman were in him oh. uh, for for Infowars. <laughs> so it, it, you're you're totally right, um, and he just knows how to press those buttons to be like, what can I do next that's going to really burn everything down? Because he's I don't think he's afraid of kind of starting from scratch i think he kind of likes that he feeds off of that uh i'm gonna go i'm gonna burn everything and then just regrow and yeah. he always in my mind gets stronger with that but um in terms of the church so the coachella thing happened i think the sunday services were happening for maybe a year before that oh were and they? These, they were they were happening in africa they were hap- they might have started in africa when he kind of bounced and went to africa did some things and i think it, he came back and started doing them more seriously where he would have these small uh, like so, James Terrell is an artist he really likes. He's the guy who does all the light uh, neon lights and stuff. He okay. kind of bathes rooms in neon lights. So he he kind of mimicked a James Terrell art installation with su- the early Sunday services, where he'd have the choir singing. People like Sia would show up and then do renditions of her popular songs, but made like biblical, right? Oh, like for, an unplugged, a religious yes. unplugged version. Cool. Yes, and if you haven't seen the Sia versions of the Sunday service. Like you have to do it. They're incredibly powerful. Uh, I believe she's been pretty open about her Christianity and that th- those videos are incredible. So that's rare they were happening for a while. Yeah, I know they were happening for a while. 
and then they kind of grew. And I believe Coachella was like the first major production where he he kind of built that mound. He had everyone wearing those uh, like uh, colorless outfits, and yeah, so that was the thing. He takes that very seriously, and he he put out that album. I believe it's Jesus is Born, and that was the Sunday service album. So it's like some of those songs are '90s like R and B songs turned gospel. So they change the lyrics a little bit. Some of them are, are just old hymns. It's one of my favorite records. I, I went out of my way to review that uh, album for pitchfork.com. It's like that music website that is, they're, they're terrible, but I, and they hate Kanye. They used to love him. And I was like, I'm going to make a good positive review for Jesus is born for pitchfork. And they took it. They didn't, you know, they, they left out a lot of stuff and we had a little pushback on, on our views on Kanye, but, um, he takes that stuff very seriously. And I believe when I was in LA, he was in the process of buying the church we were at. Uh, it might, that might've happened. I think that was reported on. And I think that's where a lot of the Sunday service stuff might be happening now, the stuff with the, the school he's doing and all that stuff. But yeah, it, it's one of my favorite things that he does. That's it. That's really cool. Hey, I'm curious though, because he, he, he gave us a little insight into the Harley Pasternak world and we understand handlers and, and I have real big problems about Cedar sinai I think that that's a deep state hospital, like the way I think Johns Hopkins medical center is as well. And, and, and every time, you know, he's talked about getting his brain wiped and, you know, send you back to whatever dream world or, or, and then he disappears mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. and then he comes back and he's, more subdued now is that mm-hmm. the media's is that my, just my perception based on what i'm seeing in the media that he's more subdued has he made a conscious decision is sort of that bit of that that part of the bit over and he's now like on to something new or right. did they bring him in to for a little maintenance work uh right are you are you talking about like right now how recently, he is yeah the recent the the the, the yeah. last f- four months version of yeah him. i mean you could go back and forth. I haven't seen him in person to know, like that would be a, for me, the, the only way to judge, but you could go back and forth being like, yeah, they've subdued him. I, my gut says he, he lit that fire that he started, you know, with that Lex Friedman, the, um, IRL, the Alex Jones week, and then kind of bounced. Then he got married. Right. Yeah. And then, and then he came back and I, in my opinion, he's probably rebuilding into whatever the music he's doing now. I still think the campaign is happening for the presidency. I do. Uh, I'm not positive, but I do think that's happening. So that's that. But while you were talking, the reason I asked if you're talking about now is because he came back subdued from the hospital that first time, right? Which is around the era five or six years ago when he came back and said he was bipolar because they told him he was bipolar and he was on medication. He was pretty open about that. So, you know, at that point, it seemed like that's what they were doing. They had, they had found a way to subdue one of the biggest disruptors in history, right? In terms of like pop, right? And, uh, and, and the culture. Uh, and he talks about that, you know, in terms of he thought he was bipolar because they told him. I don't think he believes that anymore. I think he believes, you know, I don't think he considers it uh, a mental disorder. He calls it a superpower, right? Yeah. So at that time, he did come back kind of subdued. But at the same time, he also wrote five records and produced them all in one summer and they came out in, in a span of five weeks. So it's weird, like his idea of, of subdued is very different but yeah when you see him now he's not uh doing all that wild stuff but as someone who's followed him for so long his career is like this you know it's like he'll he'll do the fires and then he goes back to scratch and then who yeah. knows what's next like i, I can't imagine what's next right because i can go back to uh 
Jesus walks. That being an early fire that he would start because it was taboo to say Jesus on a pop song, right? Yeah, and they didn't take him seriously. And then you know you can go into the Taylor Swift thing. You know what happened with his mom dying. You can talk about um, you know, I every every album cycle seems to be attached to some outburst. Uh, so I, what I, my gut tells me is he's probably back at like square one and building up to whatever is happening next. The presidency of the United States is what we're talking about here. <laughs> I mean, it, it's funny because when I, I was with him in his, like he had a hotel room and it was part studio and it was just me and him for like two or three hours talking. And we joked about like, what's next? Cause like when you're talking to him, it's like, you've done a lot of crazy stuff. You know, in terms of music, in terms of fashion, all this stuff, whether people like it or not, you know, he's done crazy stuff. And I was like, what is next? Like the, the moon? Is it space after the presidency? Cause like, and, and he, it was funny for me to say it, but he kind of considered it. Right. <laughs> he was like, well, maybe, you know, <laughs> that's the funniest part is that he's like, oh yeah, give me a pen. Yeah. <laughs> Let me write this down. Yeah. We're going to Seriously. space next. Yeah. Kanye yeah, I, in I, space. I, I love it. <laughs> uh, I'm going to, I'm going to be the first guy to record an album at the international space station. <laughs> The, you, know, you know you joke you joke about it but it's very very possible <laughs> i know i know that's crazy <laughs> what, 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 what what let's talk about this 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 election because you guys over there uh at, at tim's show obviously are all over this i um who we've got two components of this obviously the democratic side and and the republic let's start with the democratic side because we have a pedophile president undeniable and who who shit his pants with the pope that should be automatic disqualification and yet somehow it's passed off as stunning bravery and i don't really know why but robert f kennedy jr is the problem Mm -hmm. very strange well he's afraid of him he's another disruptor right and there's a lot of things i'm not so into with robert f kennedy jr yeah yeah, me too there's a lot you know we've got a lot to learn about him you know but he understands so many things that i also really care about in terms of the prison planet we live in where everything's poison and you have to navigate this world of poison in the supermarket and you're drinking water and it's funny to me because he's saying things now in a more political you know fashion that alex jones has been saying for a long time you know of course there's a really funny clip I, i retweeted it uh a few days ago where they put side by side uh, RFK Jr. talking about the stuff that's in the water turning the frogs gay. He doesn't say turn the frogs gay. He dresses it up into a more scientific thing. And atrazine. then back and forth with Alex Jones. Oh, it's atrazine. And right. then it's like, okay, he's just saying it in different terms, but it's literally what Alex has been lambasted for in the, in the corporate press forever. But So I love those things. I love that he understands you know, the vaccine issue. Uh, you know, I, I do judge people's character on how they responded to COVID, you know? Yeah. And I'm willing to offer more grace to people who are willing to open up and, and, and rebel against that institution. You know, yeah. big pharma, the government, the lockdowns, the media. And he did that. And he set a pretty good example. Um, so I love all that. So I think the corporate press and the government hates that, clearly, right? They censor a lot of us. Uh, they censor these politicians. They censor, they censor scientists. So it's kind of crazy that we have someone willing to go against biden from the democratic side he's more of a old school democrat for the most part and uh and they don't like that and when it comes to biden i mean he's a pedophile he's a reanimated corpse you know I, and he's he's kind of like the complete victim so on their side i guess that's the reward right 
you there's no higher status than right. being a complete victim right right i mean he, he could be a different gender and he could still change that for all we know he, he could be a different race he could still change that too you know they could still change all of that but he, he's uh he's a real problem and it, it's interesting to me i think because they also see biden as someone that they can control easier you know yeah. with with robert yeah. i don't think they can control him and and he i love this about him too he truly understands how evil and depraved our our cia is right i mean it's insane to me i mean it's kind of becoming normal now but it's really insane to me that we have a candidate who was literally saying the cia killed my uncle who was a former president and my dad right that's crazy right and people i think it's become so the 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 theory of that has become so watered down because everyone hears about it all the time for decades that people kind of shrug it off but that's crazy, right? And and that is going against one of our craziest, most depraved institutions that we really need to. Uh, I'd like to abolish. And he, I don't think he said abolish. I think he wants to, you know, rework it. Which I'm willing to understand. I'm willing to hear that out. But uh, yeah, I think since he's such a disruptor, they have a problem, so they'll ignore him. You see those New York Times articles written about him, where they have to, in the headline, they have to add all these qualifiers before they even get to his name, right? That he's anti-vax. He's conspiracy theorists. He's all these things. Presidential candidate Robert F. Kennedy Jr. Yes. So it's fascinating to me. He's interesting to me. I still don't know how I feel about him with with the gun rights. I don't know with the abortion stuff. I'd like to hear more about that. I don't know with the war stuff. Like I didn't listen to the whole Joe Rogan interview yet, so I'm not sure I'm not maybe halfway through it. Uh, but I'd, I'd like to hear where he's at with the Ukraine thing. I've heard different kind of things with him about that. So you know, it remains to be seen. However. He's uh, he's cognizant, so that's <laughs> that, that's cool. <laughs> that that's great for us, but not so great for them because right. in the in the deep state, because as you said, he's he Biden is more controllable. He's quite literally a puppet, and uh, and and so they can infuse in him whatever they want. I think that you know you you would if somebody told you that a Kennedy was going to run for president in the Democratic Party, you'd say, well, that guy's going to win for sure. And yet they are coming up and inventing new ways to hate him, which is interesting. I talked to my my uh, liberal-leaning um, mother-in-law, and I mentioned his name. And she said, I couldn't even get the word out of my mouth before she said, he's a disgrace. And I was wow. like, oh, really? <laughs> so obviously she doesn't speak for the entire Democratic uh, establishment. But yeah. it was interesting to me that, that you wouldn't... A disgrace really like you you're not even yep. going to give him like an opportunity he is a kennedy you guys yep. you loved kennedy's before back when the democratic yep. party was actually the democratic party but i guess maybe that's not their brand anymore maybe he should maybe he should be robert f kennedy jr he him and then he'll yeah. he'll get some 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 right I, I don't know i think i think people who speak like that unfortunately show that they're on a certain type of media diet where they're only yep. looking into certain things. You know, they hear him as the anti-vaxxer. Um, they they hear they see that he's doing interviews with people in like the the podcast world, which is all, become something else. Where it's like, oh, just by like proximity, you're a bad person now. You know, they, a lot of people still think Joe Rogan's a bad person for his stance on you know who whatever COVID, all these things. So they see that and they're it's worrisome to them. Uh, but I also see him probably appealing to a lot of people who wanted to leave the democratic party a lot of moms you know 
who yeah. like, like you looked at election that happened in Virginia a year or two ago, um, when, uh, a lot of moms banded together to kind of save their kids from a lot of the tyranny, whether it was the transgender stuff in, in schools, COVID stuff. So, and, and, and what I did see of Kennedy on Rogan was him talking about how moms kind of changed his whole attitude towards the vaccines. Yes. Years in the, in the eighties or nineties, whenever that was late eighties, I think. So moms are really powerful. And I think he might be uh, appealing to a lot of moms, you know, who, who see how the last few years affected their children. And uh, so that, you know, that's appealing. It's appealing to me. It just, uh, we'll see if he even gets there. I'd love to see him debate Biden. My God, it'd be a oh, beautiful God. thing. It would just be so, <laughs> so amazing. Speaking of debates though, we could, we could have a real, we could have a real uh, firestorm with a, a Trump DeSantis Vivek uh, debate. What do you, what's, what's your take on Vivek? He's been on, he's been on mm-hmm. Tim's show before, right? I, I only yeah. have one problem with the guy and it's world economic forum, young global leader that, that to I me, know. and to me, that's an automatic disqualification. Yeah. I but agree. Other I than that, know. he says the right things. Yep. But so does Tulsi and Tulsi's one too. So I was just going to say that. I was just going to say that. So is he saying all the things you want to hear? That's that's the problem. Is what is he attached to? I I've seen him confronted about that. I don't think I've seen an answer from him about it. So, you know, I, I love to see people answer those questions uh, in, in terms of him. He's saying all the right things. Otherwise, you know, he was uh, up. He was rather quick to responding to the first indictment with Trump, and I I appreciated that. You know, he's been fairly brave in that regard. You know, I also like how he talks about the CIA. I think he said he likes to abolish it. So. Yes. You know, if he turns out to be a good actor uh, in terms of all this, I think he'd be great in the administration. Um, you know, I, I think it kind of has to be Trump. You know, I, I'm kind of tired of all of it. DeSantis was a great governor during most of COVID. Um, he, t- to me, he's a very unappealing candidate uh, for for the presidency. Uh, so I just w- <laughs> the, the infighting is such a distraction, and it's yeah. taken up so much like Twitter time where people are going back and forth on this, it's it's fun to watch and it's fun to see different candidates kind of trip around this whole campaign so far. We're still, it's still so early. Honestly, I feel like we've never even left the, left the campaign cycle from yeah. 2015. You know, it used to be growing up, we used to have a campaign, it was crazy, and we take a break, take a breather, we get back to it, but it's been nonstop, which is why I think the country's so deranged now because it's like we're on this drug constantly. Uh, so yeah, DeSantis is unappealing to me. I thought his Twitter spaces was kind of a joke when he announced with Elon, uh, not because of the technical difficulties. I thought it was, it was cool that they tried that. I'm into them trying new things. It was a little gimmicky. It seemed, it seemed like a novelty, but it was more of the, uh, it seemed like a crutch for him to try to be appealing to a voter. Right. Where it was like, Elon kept saying, he, it's, it's unscripted here, but I mean, if you listen to it, to me, it sounded like he was reading from script the whole time. DeSantis so said it. Um, I didn't like the Q&A part of it. Honestly, this is just my theory. I don't know. But it sounded like the questions were even given beforehand. It just everything seemed so canned that I was just like, love or hate Trump. And like, I have a lot of problems with Trump yeah. uh, in terms of the, the last like few uh, last year, like COVID really, um, yeah. and pardons and all that stuff. Trump's authentic. He's him no matter what. You know it. And, and, you know, yeah. hate it or love it. For better DeSantis, or for worse, he's, he's right. him, he you know? can't be anybody else. And authenticity is very, very rare. You know, Carrie Lake is one of the only other people that I, I got to meet her. But like, you could just watch her and be like, well, that lady's authentic. I like um, her. I don't, oh man, she, I I don't know a ton about her, 
and mm-hmm. and I despise politicians by default. But yep. when I yep. when I I watch her, she's she's very sharp. She's super engaged. Yep. She'd be she'd yep. be great. She'd be a great vice president, right? That's that's exactly how I feel. I um so when I was with her, it was during the um her elect her uh election trial for the for the votes in right. Phoenix. So we met briefly the day before the trial, had a great talk. I mean, she's just like we talk about moms being like so strong and rebellious. Yeah. Like she's a quintessential strong mom who uh you should fear, but she'll also like shield you, right? At the same time. So when I remember sitting down with her, it was just like she had this like eye contact that was almost like terrifying but also comforting i was like wow this lady's like super powerful she um, feels so like, engaged when i see her talk oh, yeah. it, it it doesn't feel canned and if someone's asking her a question she's she's look at this uh, this is my bias because i come out i own, own co-own a company that does media training for pro athletes so we get guys ready oh, cool. for the media for dealing with the media so i'm always yeah. sort of watching when when yep. can, when anybody really but candidates yep. especially interact with the media and maybe it's because she comes from the media she understands exactly. the dynamic exactly. there but when exactly. someone asks her a question she's looking at them and she and she waits for them to ask the whole thing and then she get, gets in, and i go She's with it. And of course, the, then yeah. just like the juxtaposition between like where Biden is cognitively and where Carrie Lake is, you're like, oh my God, oh. like, like oh, he's she, with it and great. he's totally not with it. And she, so, um, appealing she, to me. she, uh, is also not afraid to push back. Right. Which yeah. is what I like about Trump too. People are, are very put off by the pushback and look, it's not always great. You know, I, I'm always, I, I roll my eyes a lot when Trump does it. I'm like, why do we have to do it this time? But you know what? He's going to do it. I don't care, whatever. Uh, they all deserve to be pushed back on in the media and the political sphere. But I remember with Carrie Lake, at the, I think it was the first day of the election. I mean, the the, uh, the trial. We we walk in. She sees one like local reporter who's been ragging on her, and she's on her way to her her seat. And she stops in front of him, looks at him, and goes, "Oh, this guy writes fantasy," <laughs> and just points at him. I was just like, "That is amazing." And uh, and it said, "Yeah, it's just very like tough." very quick she was ready with it put him in his place and uh you know it's stuff like that that i, I really do appreciate but um she's got a hand on things so i she, for me that's the ideal vp pick for um for trump i i would love to see rfk in that administration i don't know what rfk has said about it. i think he said he would not work with him although he has worked with trump in 2016 i think trump brought him on for something yeah, I think it was 2016 or 17, and he worked with Fauci. He knows how bad Fauci is for years. He brought uh, Trump brought RFK Jr. in to talk to him about. I think was wasn't he the one that he wanted to talk to him about vaccines, and then Bill Gates got involved so, and said that's a non-starter. I think so. I think pushed so. him out of the way, <laughs> which says a lot. <laughs> says yeah, a lot. Yeah. So, um, you know, I would love to see that. Uh, I don't know how possible that is. I think that would just be, uh, if they could all, this is ridiculous because I do want to leave it to voters, you know, if you still believe in in the voting process, but if you want to, you know, it would be interesting to see them just be announced, be like, Carrie's my VP. This is my administration. Let's just stop the the bullshit. But yeah, I, I'm just so, uh, I'm so tired of the camp, the never ending campaigning. I honestly don't know how this country is going to even survive another election another campaign cycle. I mean, it's, it's ugly. Now we have, uh, Chris Christie, like why, um, why? we have the mayor of my, the mayor of Miami is now I, running. 
I know. Uh, I saw why? that yesterday. I'm like, is this money laundering? Like, what are you guys doing? Why? Why are we? Why are you? This you are notoriety. Yeah, you're trying to buy a little fame. You're saying, "Well, I ran for president once." Look, Trump sucks all the oxygen out of the room. This is this is this was a catastrophe for DeSantis to announce because what he really should have done. DeSantis does have appeal to a, 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 a lot of people in Florida that that like the way he ran things, and and he's sort of like Trump light. He's kind of like he says some of the Trumpian type things, but 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 he's he, he, you feel like he's sort of easier to work with. I don't know why he didn't just sit it out this one. Yep. Let Trump do what Trump does because he's on a revenge tour anyway. Stay out yeah. of the way and then come back the following time because Trump, you know, I mean, it, look, we're DeSantis in a world be here. Right. We're in a world where the former president's being indicted twice and it's only helping. Him. Yeah. You know, like you're not going to fight this monster. I mean, you all should just be, I, I get it. I enjoy the pushback. I want to see, you know, as much uh, pushback on Trump from everyone because he's got a lot of things to answer to, in my opinion, with the pardons, with the vaccine, with, you know, uh, Fauci, with a lot of stuff. Um, so if we can get that kind of thing with this whole debacle, that'd be fine. But uh, it just seems like a lot of these people are jumping in because they're going to get a book deal. Yeah, for sure. And uh, look, I mean, I, I've, I'm, I'm with you. I, I have my, there's things about Trump that I like. There's things about Trump that I don't like. The, uh, the Operation Warp Speed to me, it's unforgivable. Unless he's yep. got to come out and say, yeah. I believed it because I was given information that told me to believe, you know, that, that made me believe it. And, but, but now in retrospect, it was a mistake. And I, I regret that if he said something along those lines, which I doubt he ever will, right. but if he did, yep. I think that would go a long way with that segment of the population that were like, I'm okay with Trump. I don't maybe love him, but there's that one thing that's like a deal killer for me. It's this, yep. it's this operation warps. Not only did he, not only did he put it in place, but he owned it in a way that, you know, yep. he's still, he's still doing Vic. He thinks he's doing victory laps about that. And we're like, it's it was the wrong move. Like if you could get yep. away from that, Oh, then, then he's yep. got a chance, but it's yeah, I, he's going to have to do something about that. Cause it's funny. I didn't vote for him in 2016. I didn't vote at all that year. Yeah. Uh, I was just, yeah. I, was, I was so over it. Um, I did vote for him in 2020 and I spent a lot of time, you know, having a lot of debates with friends and family online about so many good things that Trump was doing that went underreported, right? Uh, there was so much that I was into. You know, yeah, he might be brash. You don't like that. I tend to like that thing. But I'm a fan of Kanye, right? <laughs> you yeah, know, yeah. that kind of attitude is... It, I, I was telling people Trump's the first punk rock president, you know, even though yeah. he's just in a suit and he's a guy with a lot of money uh, from New York City with the golden escalator, there was a punk rock attitude to him that was appealing to my senses of wanting to push back and rebel against all these institutions and watching them then double down on him made it all the more like important because like he's doing the right thing because they're, they're so angry. Yeah. So, you know, and then I spent out so much time and this is all pre COVID, you know, having, having these conversations with people who like your friend who, who said, um, RFK Jr. is deranged yeah. having those kind of conversations about Trump and being like, why do you think that? Like, where did that start? And then, you know, they, they point to, um, Good people on both sides you know that was the big one yeah. and i was like well okay let's break that down because it's not what you think it is here's the full video he actually denounced all these people so i'm like having all these conversations really like trying to change people's minds you know i don't know how many votes i changed i know i changed a few which felt kind of good um because life was 
a little bit better <laughs> under you know before yeah. covid clearly yeah yeah, um, yeah but then but then covid happened i'm like well this just kind of undoes all that stuff um it was a real bummer that's how i felt like he he made the people that i despise like the mainstream media he made them very nervous. He made all the right people yeah. very nervous. And I like that exactly. because they they yep. they they were unsure really what this guy was what this guy was going to say. Um yeah. I would have liked for him to have yeah, I'm like you. I would have liked for him to have, you know, listen, it's kind of hard. You, you, the sales pitch is we're gonna drain the swamp, and then the first guy you bring in is John fucking Bolton. Are you kidding me? Uh-huh. Like that uh-huh. that sent like the yeah. wrong message to people, even uh-huh. if it was like strategically the right thing to do which it couldn't have been. I don't know how it could have been, but even if it were, yeah, it's like, I, can't, I just it's ran on a campaign of draining the swamp. You can't bring in the guy that wants war more than right. me. I've never met a guy with exactly. a bigger boner for war than John Bolton. Right, exactly. This is why, you know, I, I love the idea of Trump as the battering ram to continue this revenge tour of destroying these institutions yeah. that have really, that, that deserve it, right? Yeah. But oh, yeah. it, the decisions he made, the people he surrounded himself with were terrible. And and the way he handled COVID was terrible, which is why I'm like, wow, I'm really considering RFK Jr. But then it's like, there's a lot of cons with him I don't know about. Um, who's he going to pick, first of all? What what are his, you know, I believe he's pro-choice, but it's, it's at the state level now. So what effect yeah. can he have on that? Will he change that? His, his, uh, his uh, you know, the way he views gun rights doesn't seem so good, Right. So we'll see. I'd like to see him pressed on that more, but he handled COVID rather gracefully. I mean, he wrote that book about Fauci. I, I, I didn't even finish it, honestly. It made me so sick. I don't know how far along I got. I was like, I, I have to actually put this away. It's funny. Rogan said the same thing I was watching. I was like, that is literally how I felt. It made me sick that this yeah. guy was in charge for so long. And I'm like, I got I to gotta put it down, right? Because it wasn't just confirming a lot of the biases I already had about Fauci. But I was just, you know, all these other things. Like, why? And then why would Trump keep this guy around? I mean, this guy. Yeah. I, I was. I remember saying, like, "Well, we need Nuremberg trials for this." Oh yeah. Um, <laughs> you know, because this, this is so heinous. These are literally crimes against humanity. And he's Fauci's being trotted around on all you know Kimmel and whatever whoever else you know will have him. He's doing all those shows, and uh, it was very disturbing. So it's like when I think about that. Uh, RFK is appealing to me, but yeah. we'll see. You know, there's a lot of stuff I have to know yeah. about first. Yeah. And, and of course we never know like how much of what they say on the campaign trail is what they feel they have to say and what they intend to do after they get in office might be different. And and it might be, it might be better. Like they might have some things he might be like, Oh, I, yeah. I, I, I don't really say I'm anti-vax. I say I'm pro safe vaccine, you know, wink, wink. Yeah, but what, right, what it right, really exactly. means is, well, I'm anti-vax, but I just don't want to say that because the media will then just only focus on that. So I wonder if he's got some some bigger plans that he can't really talk about without getting, you know, becoming the third For sure. Kennedy. For sure. Scott and I, I also, I also, you know, I said it earlier and I, people are going to think it's a joke, but if yay, if Kanye decides to jump back in, <laughs> it's going to be crazy because he's, he's going to find a way to make them take him seriously, at least hear him out. I mean... I, I really think he means it. I When I was with him, hearing the stuff he was talking about, he's not kidding. So whether or not people take that seriously, he's taking it seriously. And any time I've seen him throughout his career say these things and then get uh, you know, you know, know mocked for it, he finds a way to come back. And, and I'm not saying he's going to become president, but right. he's going to find a way to, to 
become like invade this space again, which is going to make it even crazier. Um, oh. it, it'll make it so he's unavoidable if he does it, which I do think it's going to happen. He he needs to watch the the '80s movie Brewster's Million with uh with uh, Richard Pryor, where Richard Pryor inherits thirty million dollars and he's forced to spend it all in thirty days, but he can't own any tangible assets and he can't tell anyone what he's doing. He finally discovers that the best way to waste all the money is to run for president, <laughs> but he runs on a campaign of none of the above. So he wastes all his money, but he, he wants people to vote for somebody like nobody. Uh, it's great. great. I, I could see Kanye doing something like that. It'd <laughs> be like, but just great. vote for nobody. campaign. <laughs> I could see it too. It, yeah. It's such a circus that, I mean, it's, and it's only just begun. We have no idea how crazy it's going to get. Yeah, you take the, the circus of running for president. You take the circus of what follows Kanye West. And Kanye is like, he's not just like some guy that shows up on TMZ. He's like a right. guy that is assigned multiple TMZ photographers that just follow him right. everywhere he goes. Like he's, he's, he, he is, he's Trumpian in that re regard where he's impossible to ignore for whatever reason. And it's, it's this really interesting dynamic that some people have and some people don't, but yep. you where, where when Trump walks into a room, everybody looks at him, everybody notices him. There's something about him. Maybe it's on like an mm -hmm. energetic level. Even if you're looking at him, cause you despise him, you, you can't yep. help yourself. So Kanye, a uh, Trump Kanye ticket. Oh shit. There we go. I, I I think I think that was floated around at some point. <laughs> uh, I think I think actually I forget if we actually put it out there. Uh, there was a point where I was like a week or two writing different things for for Kanye, and uh, I think we did put it out there. It was on True Social. You have to go look where we wrote a thing saying uh, we were saying Trump, if he wants, could be the vice president for for Kanye for Kanye. Yeah. <laughs> Make America so groove ridiculous. again, man. Yeah. <laughs> we, could have so some, we could have some fun with this. Um, you got into you got into Tim's uh era, his 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 orbit from your Tales from the Inverted World. Do you have paranormal experiences? Did you have Yeah, you so some, actually I yeah, I mean I grew up in a really crazy old house, but actually Tim and I started Inverted World together. I have been writing okay. uh weird paranormal true crime. Yeah, yeah. stories beforehand for different places and then I, I i randomly tuned in to some irl episode and uh he said he was looking for someone to write those kind of stories and i was still a professor at that point actually at the college where frank from quite quite frankly went to yeah, yeah. um manhattanville college and i was i had to be out it was just it was terrible for for all the reasons you can imagine and um yeah. so i knew i was gonna be quitting fairly soon i sent an email and months went by i quit my job i had nothing lined up and then a week or two later tim emailed me back and invited me down to west virginia and we came up this whole concept for their for tales from the inverted world so and it was perfect because yeah i uh so i grew up in the middle of the woods in the hudson valley in new york right outside of uh the military academy my parents are coaches for their equestrian team so it's like a horse farm okay and uh we're civilian so we're like the only civilians in this like military place, which is a funny insight to the bureaucracy of a military compound. I mean, if you can imagine all the, I mean, it was just, it was just a debacle, a debauchery. Um, I bet. So watching all that, but we had no neighbors and it was a very historical place. And the house was built in early 1700s and the other half of the house was built in the early 1800s. So we always joked about ghosts being in the house just because of the age and it looked kind of spooky and in this town you know edgar Allan poe was there for a while because he was a cadet at the academy 
so I was always you know into Poe growing up, and um, and then I think I was probably in my teens when we found out there was a young boy in 1979 on Super Bowl Sunday who was shot dead in the house by his brother. Um, it was like a the brother was just playing a prank, and he pulled the dad's rifle and and killed this kid Jimmy, which I actually I actually investigate that story for the first Inverted World book uh, at TimCast. It was a really, really terrible story. That, that speaking of bureaucracy, um, the West Point kind of covered that story up, and really? you couldn't find anything. I mean, it really took a long time for me to find anything. A little media, little article about the first event, about the shooting. Um, ha- I was able to find that on microfilm, but yeah, uh, so old it was, you know, it was really old school. Um, so yeah, growing up in the woods, I think just kind of the woods are there's something going on in the woods. And I always felt that, you know, I don't know what it is, but there's an energy to the forest. I don't know if I'm projecting that onto the forest because it's like this unknown in the darkness, but I always had that inclination to, there's something strange. And my family, we always joked about ghosts in the house. And then when we found out about Jimmy, we kind of like adopted the ghost into our family. We, to this day, my parents still at that house. And like, we talk about Jimmy, you know, my parents are looking to leave that house soon. They've invited Jimmy to move with them. Like it's, it's kind of like just this nonchalant relationship. We'd have these ghosts. Right. And, uh, so, you know, that was a, a part of my life and I always loved that. And I grew up reading, uh, authors like Nathaniel Hawthorne, who would also write about, um, the woods, the dark cathedral of the forest. And that always felt, even though he was writing about like the Puritan times in, in Massachusetts, the way he wrote about the forest, if you read a story like young Goodman Brown, that's literally how I felt my whole, my whole childhood was where I just walk into the woods and, you know, you come across the, the, the carcasses of animals and vultures eating them, you know, just the vastness of the woods and, and getting lost on purpose and what it does to your imagination and whether or not that's a real portal into another like type of dimension, or it's you kind of bring that energy with you, whatever it is, there's just this feeling that I, I was very attracted to. And that feeling found its way into my writing, you know, from, really early on uh into today you know so i'm thankful for the forest i'm thankful for growing up with no neighbors although it was very bizarre growing up having no neighbors and you know everyone there was no other horse farm so it's very weird to, yeah. for me to go to school and be like you grew up on a farm you ride horses like all this stuff um but now i'm really grateful that i had that for sure you and i both know tony merkel he's my partner in the show he have yep. you seen expedition Dogman? No, I haven't. I need to. I love when you, Tony. When you get a chance, man. I'm scared. It's really freaky. <laughs> I'm scared. I'm scared. I saw I saw some clips and uh I the people like when they're running around in the woods. It's funny because Tony and I have a weird connection with that, with Dogman. I don't know if he told you that story where I was on IRL, I think the first time in October of twenty-one or 22 i forget now and um i'm talking about one of the people i talked to for inverted world in my first book um talking about bringing a like a dog man out of a portal and tony i believe this is how it went was listening at that same time and he was on his way to film that documentary and like so we like you know the invisible strings of the universe kind of brought us together and uh and then we soon after became friends i invited him on to uh i had this like a comp- companion podcast to that first book where I had different guests come on and 
and Tony came on and we talked about all that. And it was just so funny to me that like, we kind of crossed paths like that uh, in terms of the dog man, the beast and the portal. It was, he was thinking so much about it. And here I was, you know, talking about an IRL. So it was great. But yeah, Tony's, Tony's one of the best. I was, I was in Nashville or not Nashville. I was in Tennessee where he's at um, a few months ago. And uh, it, was, it was great. He's, he's the man. Well, it's funny. He moved outside of Knoxville and that's where um, I grew up in Southern California, but my grandparents lived in Knoxville. And so I spent every summer in Knoxville in the woods, just like you were talking about. So when you're, when you're describing that, that relationship with the woods, I know what that's like as a kid going as far in as we could and building these elaborate forts with these, with people and scenes, you know, and, and, and of course an era before, cell phones or any of that stuff it was like we just take our bikes and we'll be back you know before the sun goes down maybe hopefully but it was summer you know and you're a kid and i I never had anything weird happen but but you know tony and for those that everyone i think everyone that (laughs) listens to this knows about the confessionals but uh but tony's show the confessionals is has has really become this community for a lot of people that that felt kind of isolated maybe like crazy like oh i had Mm -hmm. this experience and and it's real to me and it, because it, because it really happened. And, and, but I, I, I I tell my family and they think I'm crazy. And then, and he get provides this nice little community for people that, that where they can go and, and talk about some crazy stuff that nobody would ever really believe except for the people in that, in that group. And, uh, is that, is that how you got on to, um, writing about the Long Island serial killer? Is this just some, somebody that is like from a regional standpoint that was sort of in your orbit that you. That was, that was funny. That was a weird one. How that started. So I started looking into that even years before I, I finished it for Tim, for that book. I was asked to uh, review a book called The Lost Girls. It was an author who I think was serializing the story of the of the women who were murdered by the serial killer in Long Island. Um, I, I think it was for the New York Magazine. And I was interested, but I was like, if I'm going to write anything about it, I think I'm going to do my own thing. Like, I'm not going to review a book. I, I was interested at first. The more I got into it, I was like, I think there's another angle I'd like to take. So I pitched that idea to the editors who pitched that first idea to me. And they're like, go for it. And like, little did I know I would lose like 10 years of my life. Like, uh, just, I, I mean, I, I went a little crazy writing that story. Um, so my, my family's from Long Island, like my mom and my dad. Um, so I'm familiar with the area. I, I, I was probably, I grew up like two, two and a half hours North of it. Um, but something about reading about the desolate area of that part of Long Island and the graveyard they found of those women and a child. Um, by Gilgo Beach, it just shook me in a certain way. And my wife Nancy was pregnant with our with our son, our first, and it just moved me in a certain way. Where I was like, I think I'm gonna go to Long Island and just kind of check this out. And one of the other things I, I saw a glimpse of in the Lost Girls book was the internet community that had kind of um, pushed itself into the victim world, where like they were now like there are these online investigators, the death shot, the, the armchair detectives mm-hmm. kind of inserting themselves into the victim's family's lives, which is really weird to me. Um, but also some of them were trying to help. Some of them were just trolling. So I saw something with all that and I got a little too invested. Um, <laughs> you know, there's that, that meme of Charlie day from it's always sunny where he's at the wall. Yeah. You know, he's like, 
I mean, that's literally what my wall looked like at the time. <laughs> yeah. I, we were we were actually li- we were living in um in Brooklyn. We lived in Brooklyn for like a year or two, which was hell. Uh, but <laughs> my wife worked in Times Square, and uh, it was easier for that. And I would commute two hours north to work as a furniture mover uh, at the time because I was freelance writing it as well. And so yeah, I got invested, went down there. And it was just talking about the woods. You know, I walked around those woods where they found those bodies, where it was, whether it was on the beach or, you know, 30 minutes east. And uh, I forget what the name of the town is. They found, you know, a corpse. This is the detail that, that really made me want to dive into the story. They found a mutilated corpse in the woods in this town about 30 minutes east of Gilgo Beach, which is where they found the graveyard of the serial killer's victims. And when they found, um, that, mind you, that, that mutilated corpse, they found, I think, 10 to 20 years ago. And then they found a pair of hands on Gilgo Beach that matched that torso uh, oh. in like 2009 or 2010. I forgot the dates. And I was like, okay. And that gave me like serious chills. And I, uh, I love true crime. You know, I grew up loving um, Capote. My dad really put me on to Truman Capote early on because... My dad loves Breakfast at Tiffany's and he loves In Cold Blood. And he was like, how can an author write these two books? And, uh, <laughs> yeah. So, you know, early on, I, I was very much into In Cold Blood and Capote. Uh, so I, I, I went in and then really I inserted myself into the internet community who was trying to solve the murder. Mm-hmm. So I was kind of following them around you know, digitally, going out to Long Island, talking to cops, talking to families kind of scoping out the area. And yeah, I mean, that's, that's one of my favorite stories as, as much as I lost. I mean, cause I, when I say I lost 10 years of my life, I mean the amount of paranoia that took over my spirit, <laughs> you know, I'm, I'm using pay phones to call, you know, people uh, to be like, cause I don't want them to know where I'm at. Uh, I'm reporting things to the FBI because we, we uncovered this, um, this crazy website called utopia guide. I think it's still there. Utopia guide is, basically a yelp for prostitutes in the island in this area that a lot of the women who were found dead were were also reviewed on and you know we found some really graphic violent things on that on that website that were very disturbing so i tried to find who owns the website you know it's uh, it, it was uh you know the person who paid for that website it was listed as the rock of gibraltar you know <laughs> so right, it was right. a, a lot of bizarre things so yeah that that story took a lot uh, took a pause on it there was an early draft of that published in Penthouse. And, uh, and then I kind of like went back into it uh, because there was new updates with that story in the past few years. And I went back and talked to some of the families and I went back and talked to new detectives. And uh, yeah, now that a much bigger version, a more complete version is now in the, uh, the first Inverted World uh, book. And uh, yeah, that's a really, really dark story. Yeah. Do, do you like writing fiction or nonfiction better? I like both, you know, I, te- I, I think I'm more comfortable with nonfiction, but, uh, I, I tend to use a lot of the qualities of fiction when I write nonfiction and I don't mean I'm just making stuff up. I mean, like, I love the metaphor. I love the freedom. Uh, I love like tr- trying, um, talking to different voices a lot. You know, I, I go back and forth between my own objectivity and subjectivity, um, which I try to tell the reader when I'm doing it, you know, cause I, something I hate about the corporate media is they dress themselves up as being objective and then clearly being subjective. But, you know, I like to tell the reader, like, look, this is why I'm so attached to this. This is my bias. I'm telling you this because I want you to know, like, 
I'm not the authority on anything I write about. I just spend a lot of time with it. Doesn't mean I'm the expert. And you should also trust no experts. And actually, don't trust anyone who says they're authority on anything because they're probably uh, full of shit. Yeah. So I, I love fiction. I've written a lot of fiction. Um, but I think I've taken a lot of the things I like most about fiction in terms of uh, you know figurative language um, and then applying that to nonfiction where I'm writing about really uh, true events. But it allows me to, you know, I, my imagination kind of dive into the darker parts of my thoughts and kind of spread those out through the nonfiction. Yeah. I've been, I've only worked on, I've only written nonfiction books so far. Um, but when, when Jeff Berwick and I wrote a uh, controlled demolition of the American empire, we initially had Ron Paul who agreed to write the foreword for it, but he had wow. his medical incident like two days afterwards. And Jeff's like, oh, wow, dude, what do we do? I was like, oh, shit, we got to let him off the hook. And he's like, yeah, yeah. So we had Doug Casey come in and Doug Casey from International Man wrote, wound up writing the foreword. And what's funny is I've, I talked to Doug about, about this because he's written fiction and nonfiction books. And, and his nonfiction books are a lot like the stuff I write. You know, it, it's governmental fuckery and stuff like that and deep dives into <laughs> control structures and, and whatnot. And, but then he's got this fiction series of books where it's this guy who goes around and gets into these adventures and made a bunch of money early on right out of college from uh investing in in a a, a penny stock of a mining company and I'm and I'm reading through this and I'm going this isn't fiction, Doug. This is you. This is this is you. he's like he's like well, I mean, listen, there's a little I'm saying, I said no, no, no. I know what you're doing. This is right. a cover story. You're writing about real shit under the Yep. protective layer of fiction right so is that yep. is that how we are going to have to get the the word out to a lot of a lot of normies out there is dress I, it up like fiction and make it it's seem possible i mean, have it be real uh, yeah i think a lot of i think a lot of that. i mean the left has done it a pretty good job of that for the past yeah, few decades it's, it's right their, it's their uh, guiding principle <laughs> i think i mean yeah i mean to me it's like you look at the white house it's hollywood right now the way they're oh, yeah. able to make our president look like he's not a reanimated corpse but yeah i think Fiction, people need to, we need to really get back into art and, and showing people through the prism of art, whether it's film, books, whatever, uh, this is how you can guide the future through art. You know, it's so important to me. I, when I was, I loved teaching that I hated the institution of colleges, but I loved being like, look, art is, is complete freedom. You know, I don't have to like everything you do, you know, cause I, I like a lot of stuff fiction wise that I think a lot of people don't really enjoy these days and i love donald barfelman because it's so like absurd i love thomas pynchon because it's so absurd and conspiratorial um you know so like that's when i'm thinking of writing fiction it's like completely absurd that you know it's like so absurd um that kind of thing and you can kind of slip in these ideas without beating someone over the head with the ideal the ideology right because the left was fairly good at slipping their ideologies into their art and then kind of mind controlling people. Yeah. But now they are so blatantly bludgeoning us yeah. with ideology that the art sucks. I mean, everything is sucks. It's, I, I can't think of a lot of stuff in the past 10 years. You know, I think of in terms of TV, I love true detective. I love the leftovers. Um, I love Barry, you know, Barry somehow uh, seems to evade a lot of the bullshit in terms of ideology. Mm -hmm. It's really funny. It's really dark. It's very violent. Um, so I, I, people, you know, the right, whatever you want to consider that, because it's, it's all so amorphous, 
but the anti-establishment, let's say, crowd, they need to get back into the art and find a way to control the culture again, to push the culture. Because right now it's like, look, everything is great. All these conversations are really good. It's amazing how the, the new media is kind of destroying the old media. I mean, and, and COVID accelerated that. And it's amazing that we have all these long form conversations, but I see a lot of art being forgotten. And uh, it, it, a lot of it's just coming out of the, the school systems now, which is, and I have a firsthand experience of that. The stuff that students feel allowed to do in school is very bland. So, and I'm not saying you need college to make art, you know, actually don't go to college is what I'm trying to tell people. Yeah. But people, people go to schools thinking they're going to learn about how to make art, which is false. You can learn work ethic perhaps at, at a college if you want to do art. You can learn how to keep a schedule. You can learn how to read different things, which is all very necessary, but you don't need college for that. You know, people need to just get back into, uh, you know, uh, what does art mean and why is it important and don't discredit it. And, uh, but I, I really do. I, I'm positive. I think we're going to see a wave of, of art, whether it's music, uh, film, writing, that is going to be so anti-establishment from like the, the newer crowd that the, the Puritans on the left are going to be so shocked. It's going to be like how, you know, when I was growing up, I loved NWA. I love West Side Connection. I love Marilyn Manson, Nine Inch Nails, like all those things that were so transgressive. And like, you see the left trying to do that now with like Lil Nas X or something. And they, they do the, the stuff. Right. It's not, it's, it's not um, controversial because we've already seen that. You're just redoing things that were done 30 years ago. When Manson did it, it was fairly uh, rebellious because it hadn't been done before. Uh, maybe Madonna and certain yeah. things. But I, I think people are not ready for that wave of art that's going to really shock people. And so I'm, I'm happy for that. That's my favorite kind of art. And I'm not saying all, all art has to do that. doesn't. But for me, that's my favorite type of art. And uh, I think it's coming. I think we're done with Sam Smith, like wrapped up in cellophane, like a like a ham. I think yeah. I think we're we're sort of past that. That the the left is they're so bad. Like you said, they're they're bad at they they overdo it. It's like I'm going to add some salt to this soup, and like eventually yeah. at the, some point you're like it's just all salt, and and you 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 went crazy. You you yep. you made everybody trans and the Little Mermaids black, and and it's like uh, I, I get it. You're you're trying to manipulate us. We we're we're yep. done with it. But but I, I, there's real opportunity for the right or for the conservatives oh. or whoever however you want to define them to just be I don't know not the left, and that's a yes. good enough strategy at this I'm, point. Like just I'm on a uh, crazy. Uh, yeah, well, that's really hard for them to do. I'm on a, a real big uh, Christian death metal kick right now, <laughs> and th and this is this is the thing. And my goodness, it, there's this band called uh, Cultist, and they're Christian, um, and they're the scare. And I, I love death metal. I I was in a death metal band for a very long time. I, I sang in one. I, I love metal, all types of metal. Um, so you know, it was shocking to me that I had only just recently discovered that this is even a thing. There's a lot of them. Cultist is the best, but you read their lyrics like, wow, you know, <laughs> this is Christian, uh, but they're terrifying, you know, and it's stuff like that, that I don't think people are really ready for, you know, people remember new metal having Christian bands like POD and whatnot back in the day, but uh, this is different and it's terrifying and I can't wait. 
They're coming for you. We're, we're, yeah. the, the right <laughs> strikes back, man. Well, hey, listen, if you if you swing that pendulum as far left as you can, where, where everybody's cake gender at lunch and then they change themselves back uh, later in the day, then what do you expect, man? You're going to get yep. Christian death metal. You know what I mean? Yep. That's the, yep. an, the antidote yeah. to uh, woke uh, at Disney. Uh, what's the best yep. place for people to find you, to buy your books, to support your work, to follow what you're doing? Yeah, thank you. Um, so the first Inverted World book, which has a Long Island serial killer story, that you can find at invertedworldbook.com. Uh, so that's got like abduction stories, serial killer stories, the story I was telling you about with, with the boy who was shot in my house that I grew up in. Uh, and then the next book that we just put out a few months ago, that you can find at uh, ghostofthecivilwar.com. And that is a you know one long story about this town in Washington, Georgia, where I was looking for the Confederate gold. And then came upon all this paranormal activity, UFOs, ghosts, possession, witches, you know, all real stories, you know, real uh, accounts from people. So there's that. Those are the two inverted world books. And you can find me at Shane Cashman everywhere except TikTok, where I was just banned forever for posting a video of me and Alex Jones talking. <laughs> yeah. Well, that's... <laughs> That'll do it pretty much. I hate, I hate TikTok anyway. I really don't care. Um, but it's funny to me that just the sound of Alex Jones' voice was, that was it. Nothing they have a, they have a, they, I'm sure they have some sort of technology that like the minute he, the minute he, he starts talking about, uh, you know, the frogs, it's just immediately, (laughs) it switches switches it off. That's Shane Cashman, everybody go support his work. He might become Kanye West, honky vice president. You never know. Uh, you can, Uh, you can uh, check my stuff out over at the website, the octopus of global control.com. You can follow me on Twitter at macroaggressions. Thanks everybody. We'll talk to you again soon. Today during the Jeep Celebration event. Right now, get 20% below MSRP for an average of 15178 under MSRP on the purchase of a 2023 Jeep Grand Cherokee Overland 4xe or Summit 4xe. Not compatible with lease offers or with any other consumer and set of offers. 15178 average based on 20% below average MSRP from all 2023 Grand Cherokee Overland 4xe and Summit 4xe models in dealer stock. Residency restrictions apply. Take retail delivery from dealer stock by 4-1. Jeep is a registered trademark. Every year, one thing is always predictable. Postage costs go up. Stamps.com gives you crazy discounts for up to 89% off USPS and UPS services, so your business will barely notice the change. Stamps.com has been indispensable for over 1 million businesses just like yours. It's like your own personal post office. No lines, no traffic, no waiting. Sign up with promo code PROGRAM for a four-week trial, plus free postage and a free digital scale. No long-term commitments or contracts. That's Stamps.com code PROGRAM. Waiting on a tax return? Hopefully it ends up in your hands. Fraudulent tax returns due to identity theft increased by 30% in 2023. If you're in a bind this tax season, LifeLock can help. 
Our U.S.-based restoration specialists are experts dedicated to helping solve your identity theft issues. And all LifeLock plans are backed by the Million Dollar Protection Package. So we'll reimburse you up to the limits of your plan if you lose money due to identity theft. Help protect your information this tax season with LifeLock. Save up to 25% your first year at LifeLock.com slash aware. For the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile. And the ones who get in early so everyone can go home on time. There's Granger, Offering professional-grade supplies backed by product experts so you can quickly and easily find what you need. Plus. You can count on access to a committed team ready to go the extra mile for you. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. Without the ones like you who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants, they all depend on you. No matter the weather, emergency, or time of day, you're the ones who get it done. At Granger, we're here for you with professional grade industrial supplies. Count on real time product availability and fast delivery. Call clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. Join us today during the Jeep Celebration event. Right now, get 20% below MSRP for an average of 15178 under MSRP on the purchase of a 2023 Jeep Grand Cherokee Overland 4xE or Summit 4xE. Not compatible with lease offers or with any other consumer and set of offers. 15,178 average based on 20% below average MSRP from all 2023 Grand Cherokee Overland 4xE and Summit 4xE models and dealer stock. Residency restrictions apply. Take retail delivery from dealer stock by 4-1. Jeep is a registered trademark. Don't you love an extra $100 in your pocket? Have a TurboTax expert file your taxes for you by March 31st to get $100 back instantly. Because no matter what moves you made last year, TurboTax makes them count. That means getting $100 back and 100% accurate taxes only from Intuit TurboTax. Must file by 331. Credit only applicable to federal filing fees with TurboTax full service. Offer can be modified or terminated at any time. If you own a vehicle with less than 200,000 miles and have an auto warranty about to expire or no warranty coverage at all, listen up. CarShield has a low-cost, month-to-month vehicle protection plan that covers more parts than ever. Visit carshield.com audio to find out how you could pay almost nothing for covered auto repairs. Drivers who activate this vehicle protection today will also receive free roadside assistance, free towing, and car rental options at no additional cost. Get your free quote today at carshield.com audio. That's carshield.com audio. With everything you have on your plate, earning your degree online seems impossible. But at Grand Canyon University, we specialize in helping you fit a master's degree in business into your busy day. Your graduation team, led by your own GCU counselor, provides you with the personal support you need to succeed. Achieve your goals with a plan and team behind you. Find your purpose at Grand Canyon University. Visit gcu.edu. Get ahead of the postage rate increases this year with Stamps.com. It's like your own personal post office. Sign up with promo code PROGRAM for a four-week trial, plus free postage and a free digital scale. No long-term commitments or contracts. That's Stamps.com code PROGRAM. Waiting on a tax return? Hopefully it ends up in your hands. Fraudulent tax returns due to identity theft increased by 30% in 2023. If you're in a bind this tax season, LifeLock can help. 
Our U.S.-based restoration specialists are experts dedicated to helping solve your identity theft issues. And all LifeLock plans are backed by the Million Dollar Protection Package. So we'll reimburse you up to the limits of your plan if you lose money due to identity theft. Help protect your information this tax season with LifeLock. Save up to 25% your first year at LifeLock.com slash aware. Every year, one thing is always predictable. Postage costs go up. Stamps.com gives you crazy discounts for up to 89% off USPS and UPS services. So your business will barely notice the change. Stamps.com has been indispensable for over 1 million businesses just like yours. It's like your own personal post office. No lines, no traffic, no waiting. Sign up with promo code PROGRAM for a four-week trial, plus free postage and a free digital scale. No long-term commitments or contracts. That's stamps.com code PROGRAM.